Welcome to First Class Fantasy. First show of 2024. Uh, Billy, Billy and I wanted to do something with a with an early ranking show. And who better to bring on than our friend Josh Larkey of the 33rd team? You know, guys, it's really fun because we don't really acknowledge too much week 18. If your league is still playing, you know, you'll find another podcast. This one we're thinking about next season. Uh, but Josh has now come on First Class Fantasy several times, crushes it every single time. Uh, and this is fun, guys, because, you know, we, we don't have feel like I feel like there's no like expectation to, uh, you know, meet the grind this week. This is about like forward thinking. This is about getting ready for next season. And I think when we start doing these early 2024 uh, rankings, it creates kind of a bird's eye view of what's going on with this with next season. So, Josh, welcome to the show and let everybody know what you've got cooking at the 33rd team. Guys, thanks for having me. This is my second, third time here. Love first class fantasy. Uh, we're we're starting to shift, like you said. It's fantasy is kind of dead at this point for 2023. We're we're focusing to a lot of prop betting and DFS for the NFL playoffs, and then we'll we'll start to shift, just like player profiler, almost exclusively to dynasty and the NFL draft for February through April. So, uh, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, and a big hat tip to you, Josh. You guys crushed it this year. I know you put a lot in a lot of work into like the team you built over there. Uh, we love doing those crossover episodes with you. And I think look for more 33rd team and player profiler continuity in the offseason. 100%. I had a uh, dynasty life with Ian Miller a couple of weeks back. That was great. I can't wait to get to kind of dive into this upcoming rookie class with him uh, shortly. Highly recommend his dynasty work over the 33rd team. Billy, we got to talk a little bit about the the end of the season here, 2023 season. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit in the pre-show with Josh about this. Um, you got a little, you're a little, little salty about one player. Why don't you share your, your, your Amari Cooper anger and then mm-hmm. let us know any other, any player that sort of that one you can't pick as a letdown. Cause the guy dropped a 50 burger. Um, it was a letdown to you, you personally, but share it with us, you know, your thoughts on Amari Cooper, kind of like what that did. And then anybody who you were kind of shocked at by their declining value or let down in this over the second half of the season. Yeah. So I think the Amari Cooper thing cost me quite a bit of money. I had a lot of teams set up to go to the finals um, that were really strong teams. You're talking about teams that had five running backs going into week 17 and, you know, running backs with like on one team, Kyron Williams, uh, Rashad white, Christian McCaffrey, um, Derek Henry, you know, a- along with, um, you know, just maybe, maybe a random Mostert team, but you're talking about five solid running backs who all have a chance to being top 12 any given week, depending upon who they're facing on these teams with stacked with stacked wide receivers and usually kind of a hodgepodge build at tight end. But nonetheless, I faced so many Amari Cooper Brees Hall teams <laughs> that got eliminated in the final week. I mean, we're talking about I had 15 teams in the in the the semifinals for underdog. I had nine teams in the semifinals for FFPC, only getting one through in each um, after those big Omari Cooper games. So a bit of a letdown, but we did win. Dave and I won the High Society 10K League over at FFPC. So that kind of saved the bankroll there, which is a nice you know $50,000 payout. So um, outside of that, players who let us down during the championship weeks, the easy chalk answer is going to be Keenan Allen, who was you know, top five wide receiver throughout the entire season and gave you zero in week 15, zero week 16, zero in week 17, as he did not play because he was shut down. Um, and so you could also potentially talk about Tyreek Hill as well, who kind of that ankle injury kind of, you know, hurt him down the playoff stretch as well. And we just weren't able to get the the output that we saw all season from him. And and quite frankly, he, you know, wasn't able to, to hit the um, – receiving record either because of that ankle injury. So I uh, had multiple complications and um, and it definitely probably hurt some fantasy teams, although it was a blessing to have them throughout the year. So can't complain much there, but um, having those two down the stretch and some teams definitely hurt. Yeah, and I in the pre-show, I, I told you guys the player that I wanted to discuss, but Josh had the exact same uh, reaction. So I'm going to, I'm going to let Josh be a little more eloquent than, than me and explain to you, uh, you know, the guy that really, really let his teams down. Yeah, I was pretty pissed. I had a lot of Diggs Allen stacks in some high stakes leagues. Stephon Diggs, the first nine weeks, 11 targets a game, eight catches a game, 93 yards a game, 21.7 fantasy points per game. If that continued for the full season, the only guys that would have outscored him would have been Tyreek and Lamb. But then weeks 10 through 17, 
He had four catches, 37 yards a game, nine fantasy points a game for the second half of the season. Stephon Diggs, I think you're going to be out of the first two rounds of this redraft that we do. I, I'm still angry. Yeah, I think it's 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 funny because I start I have a I'm trying to work on this article, you know, for my my 2024 rankings for playerprofiler.com. And you kind of hit these kind of sticking points, but the guys that are more diff, most difficult for me to kind of rank is the group of the old guys, to keep it simple. And Diggs is one of them. But I'll say the one that that fell off even worse than Diggs was Travis Kelsey. Like the Chiefs offense is bad right now. And Travis Kelsey yeah. is just he looks completely cooked. For me, I don't know. We're not really going to do positional rankings today, but I'm not going to have him in the top four uh, for tight ends next year. As crazy as that is, like, there's no chance. And there's no way I could have put him in my top 24. Um, guys who drop, like, a stone, they don't always come back. Like, people, you know, try to paint themselves an offseason picture. I try to avoid guys like that. Uh, Billy, anything to add on Diggs or Kelsey? Yeah, it's interesting. The the stat line coincides um, with Diggs and directly with Ken Dorsey's firing as OC in Buffalo. As soon as they fired him, um, the transition to to Cooks really kind of took off and saved a lot of seasons and hurt a lot of seasons. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do there in the offseason and uh, how many changes they make um, for the offense and, and how it's going to relate to the look of this offense in 2024. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think uh, it's going to be hard to put Kelsey outside the top four just because um, the position is so bleak. I mean, yes, we had some, you know, uh, up and comers for the the coming seasons, but as we all know, the tight end position, the difference between, you know, four and 12 is minuscule and all it's going to take is a couple of big weeks for Kelsey to be back inside the top three, quite frankly. So um, I think he still makes the top three for me. Um, there's a you know, debate on timeline with, Andrews and there's some injury concerns and how we're going to shake up the the rest of the tight end landscape and some some quarterback situations that we need to um, kind of digest and understand before we can finalize them. But I do think that he still makes it for me. But it is apparent that um, Taylor Swift has sucked the talent out of him. There, eloquently put, Billy. Very, very, uh, <laughs> a very interesting way of putting that. Um, guys, you know this is this is we're going to talk some redraft today, and then next week, Billy and I are going to be discussing the FFPC playoff contest. So we're, we're, we're reaching there. It's the end of the season. Uh, we're really stoked about that. When we come back, Josh Larkey is going to be OTC with the number one pick in the 2024 redraft rankings. Hey, you know, people always ask me, what's the World Series of Fantasy? What's the Super Bowl of Fantasy? And it's easy. It's the FFPC. Their signature players championship has a $6 million prize pool. And their best ball leagues start in February. And they're the answer to so many questions. Hey, what's the best place to get a Dynasty Orphan? Well, you can adopt a Dynasty Orphan at the FFPC right now. There's more orphans at the FFPC than anywhere else on the internet. That's why we partner with them. So if you want to play fantasy football for low, medium, high stakes... You love Dynasty, you love best ball, you love seasonal leagues. All types of fantasy footballers need to go to the FFPC. And remember, use promo code UNDERWORLD. Promo code UNDERWORLD gets you $25 off your first team. Promo code UNDERWORLD, $25 off your first team, no matter what the format is, at the FFPC. Go get it. Welcome back to First Class Fantasy. Theo Greminger with Billy Muzio and Josh Larkey of the 33rd team. We're talking 2024 redraft. Josh, I think there's like three names you can consider, but who is your number one pick in 2024 redraft? We'll just go with Christian McCaffrey. He averaged more fantasy points per game than any other player at any other position. Running back after tight end is generally the scarcest for fantasy points. So McCaffrey had 24 and a half fantasy points per game. We had Kyron Williams at 21. And then there was a massive drop off to Kamara at 18. Ultimately, Kyron missed quite a bit of time this year due to injuries. He had a pretty unprecedented workload. His situation's a little bit shakier. McCaffrey's on probably the best offense in football. He, he's getting up there in age, but he, he gets a lot of receiving work. He's clearly a generational talent. Uh, probably the, the best, I'd say, what is it? It's... Tomlinson, uh, Marshall Falk, Christian McCaffrey, the best dual threat running backs ever. 
So I'm just going to keep betting on his career to get extended at this point and another RB1 finish. He's the chalk. He, I think he's going to be the chalk. And CMC now has three of the highest last five scoring years at the running back position. David Johnson and Saquon Barkley also in that mix. But it's really remarkable. Like CMC this year has the most uh, PPR points at the running back position since CMC 2019. It's like... Uh, Two different teams, two different quarterbacks, two different situations. One player is the same. Billy, who are you rolling with at the at the number two spot? At the 102, Team Musio selects CD Lamb. Lamb was just burst burst out this this year. You know, 168 targets, 122 receptions through 17 weeks. Finished as the wide receiver one in uh, PPR. Uh, we saw him with a total of 367.7 fantasy points. Really came out big down the stretch for fantasy managers, uh, where we saw, of course, the league winning 40.2 fantasy points here inside of week 17. Um, it was a pretty close call between him and Justin Jefferson for me, but I'm going to take the quarterback who I know is going to be tied to the better team in 2024, who's also going to be tied to the better quarterback in 2024 and has a better outlook for the season. So CD Lamb for me is the, is the 102. Yeah, and I, and I think CD Lamb might have been the number one for me just because of the age uh, the only thing about CMC I'd push back on is, you know, betting on a guy in his eighth season, 28 years old. I know he's broken the mold, but I think you can make an argument for CeeDee Lamb. And this is be- where it becomes a little bit difficult because Billy brought up Justin Jefferson. But for me, I am going to go with Tyreek Hill. We have, like you mentioned, Billy, quarterback concerns uh, w- when it comes to Jefferson. We don't know who his quarterback will be. Now, if it's going to be Kirk Cousins next year and with also the TJ Hawkinson potentially missing the beginning of next season – Maybe we make a case for Jefferson, but I'm going to go with Tyreek Hill. Uh, He'll be 30 next year, but he still scored over 350 PPR points. We know that that he's able to excel in that offense with Mike McDaniel and Tua Tunga-Vailoa. And I I don't see Tyreek Hill taking a big step back. I think he's going to age very gracefully. So I'm going to stick with Cheetah at the number three spot. We are back to Josh Larkey uh, at the 104. So uh, my 102 is still on the board. Maybe I'm just stubborn from having him ahead of Jefferson to begin this year, but I am going back to the well on Jamar Chase. This is assuming that T. Higgins is gone, that he's a maybe a Panther or simply just not a Bengal. The first 10 weeks before Joe Burrow got hurt, Chase had 11 targets, 11 targets a game, nearly eight catches a game, 91 yards a game over 20 fantasy points per game with Burrow. And I know that Higgins uh, was inconsistent during that time, was struggling, but still, let's just plop Higgins and any of his targets completely out of the picture. Tyler Boyd is going to be nearly 30. It's looking like Chase is going to have pretty much no target competition. That Bengals defense might lose. Lou Anarumo, their defensive coordinator, he's been getting the most out of the least. This is maybe one of the five least talented defenses in the NFL. I think the Bengals are going to have to throw a lot next year. And I, Chase is my 102 right now. I love it. Sticking with Chase at the at the 104. Billy, I can go ahead and guess you're going to go Justin Jefferson here at the 105. It's a pretty good guess. Yep. The Justin Jefferson for me takes the 105 uh, prior to the injury and prior to losing Kirk Cousins. Uh, he had four straight weeks of wide receiver seven or better, 24 fantasy points or more through the first four weeks and let's not forget the first three weeks where he almost had 150 yards or more in all three games. He had 149 week three, just came up short. Um, when he's on the field and he has a, a capable quarterback, he is a monster and uh, could easily be the one-on-one again for many people in 2024. Yeah. I mean, how could you go wrong? And now I feel like it starts getting interesting because I feel like that's a, a clear top five. Yeah. Um, first tier. Yeah, it's the first, like Josh, you put it exactly right. It's the first tier. I think that the 106 is where the draft kind of gets open. And I think we'll have clarity over the next couple months as situations change, the NFL draft, free agency. But I think 106 is where you can start considering RB2 overall, whoever that may be for you. But I'm going to stick at the wide receiver position and I'm going to go with the sun god. I'm going to go with Amon Ross St. Brown. Amon Ross St. Brown this year, it's somewhat quietly has a career high in receptions with 112, a career high in in receiving yardage, where he took a real big step forward in receiving yardage. In only 15 games, he has almost 1,400 yards. 
and he's got a career high in touchdowns. And Amon Ross St. Brown feels like he's been in the league a while, but he's only 24 years old. So there's still some unknown upside with him just taking his game nuclear. Like if we had to bet on a guy to have like 170 catches, 150 catches, Amon Ra would be right in that mix. So I'm going to go with a, with Amon Ra St. Brown at the 106. I'm, I'm happy with that start. We are back to Josh Larkey at the 107. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm a little bit salty with Amon Ra. He missed a game this year. I had an 18 to one ticket on him to lead the league in receptions. And right now he's second. He's 10 behind Lamb. If he didn't miss that game, it would probably be a pretty fun week 18. But unfortunately, and, and, uh, that's now dead. And not to, to interrupt you, but I believe he needed to get to like 126 receptions. And he would have broken the two-year record set by Justin Jefferson for the most receptions in his first two seasons of the career. Mm -hmm. So that game cost him the record books probably as well. Uh, so yeah, Josh, you know, shame on Amon Ross for missing a game. Really let <laughs> us down there. Mm -hmm. This one's tough. So I have at seven and eight, two guys that are pretty much the same. I really don't know how to play this one, but I'll just stick with the lions. And uh, ultimately the reason I won't be choosing Brees Hall is I, there's still some type of Aaron Rodgers uncertainty. So we'll, we'll talk about Jameer Gibbs. So Jameer Gibbs was seventh among running backs this year, 16.8 PPR fantasy points per game. He was seventh. He barely played to begin the season. He really played from week seven onward. That's a 10 game sample. He averaged 13 carries for 74 rushing yards, 5.2 targets a game, 3.8 receptions, 25 receiving yards per game. All in all, that's 99 total yards per game on over 18 opportunities. And his 19 and a half fantasy points per game during that stretch would have ranked third behind just McCaffrey and Kyron Williams over the full season. Uh, the, the concern here is David Montgomery, who we, we know is a thorn in his side for touchdowns. But what we actually started to see towards the end of the season is that Gibbs was often getting those goal line carries over Montgomery. I'm just going to bet on an incredibly talented player. And while I think Brees Hall might have more touch upside in some ways, Gibbs has a lower injury risk because he's probably not going to get as many touches. We love that Lions offensive line. And I'm just going to go with the player that is also slightly younger in Gibbs. I love it. And we talked about in the pre-show uh, that if the narrative for Gibbs, if I told you guys in August that he would have like 52 receptions, uh, you know, heading into week 18, what would be his running back finish? We all would have picked like low end RB2 at best, but he was able to only have that, that many receptions and still be this productive in fantasy He's kind of flipped the script narrative-wise as to what he is. I think sky's the limit. I think you could have made a case for him at the 106. Um, and I think Gibbs versus uh, Gibbs versus um, Brees Hall is going to be a huge debate for a lot of people this offseason in redraft and in dynasty. Billy, you're at the 108. I would like, before we move to the 108 real quick, just a quick kind of touch base as we just did back-to-back -back Lions picks here. What is your guys' take on this offense and the look in 2024 with the potential of Ben Johnson leaving as OC, more than likely going to be pretty sought after as a potential head coach next year? And this means changes now for the Lions and their new look offense. How does that affect you guys and your thoughts on both Amon Ross and Brown as well as, um, as, well as Gibbs? I was going to say, I, I'm not too worried simply because I, I think we should start to think of the Lions a little bit like the Niners, where we, we've seen that this offense can be really efficient, really high scoring for multiple years in a row. Anything happens to one of these guys, the other guys completely step up in fantasy. And while I don't think Gibbs is probably finishing his RB2, we should really never expect that just in general. We should always just kind of hope for a top five type finish when we take these guys early. And then anything better than that is awesome. Uh, I just think with uh, the Lions, whoever the OC is, the blueprint's already there. And they. I think it's pretty obvious that you should be aggressive on fourth down, that you should just pound the run and the short area of the field to set up more of the deep shots. And I, I don't think that we need to overthink it too much. So I could be wrong. I don't think Ben Johnson's going to stay there. But that's kind of my early take right now is that Whenever we get too caught up in these offenses, it usually just doesn't go that well. 
Like if, if you get too caught up in the Niners and like projections, like whenever I try to do that, I just get burned. Same thing with like the, the Tom Brady Buccaneers prior to his like last downfall year. It was like, let's just draft Evans and Godwin and accept that we're going to have outrageous pass volume. And I think we're going to get another top five offensive season out of this team. Yeah. And I'm going to agree with Josh, like Billy, if these were like veterans that had never really produced until they were attached to Ben Johnson, then I would have like some trepidation, but you're talking about guys who immediately had success in year one. And then in Amon Ross St. Brown's uh, case continued in year two and year three. I think these guys are, are coaching staff averse and they're just elite talents. The only pushback I'll have on lions, Billy is when I do my rankings, and I'm sure as you guys would as well, not to have table talk since we don't have any money on the line and what we're doing in this process, I'm going to end up with three Lions in my overall top 15 for PPR rankings. And any sort of time that happens, things can go south, where two, one or two of the three can fail to deliver expectations when you're putting that sort of draft capital in. That would be my only expectation, uh, my only trepidation, uh, because I do think Sam Laporta, like going nuclear in year two, is in the range of outcomes. And you could, they might say, hey, we need to get 125 targets for this Laporta kid. That would be the only like 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 trepidation. It's not David Montgomery taken away from Gibbs. David Montgomery will still be a, be a thing, but but they were both RB1s this year. Um, and they're these young guys are elite talents. So Ben Johnson, he deserves the bag, deserves a ton of money, deserves to be a head coach. I have faith that Dan Campbell is going to keep the aggressive nature of the Lions moving forward. These guys are going to produce next year. Don't overthink it. Okay, with the 108, I am going to select running back Brees Hall. Uh, we're now going to be year two removed from his knee injury. Uh, we're also looking at a quarterback upgrade as well for the next season. And so I think this is all good for Brees Hall and his fantasy outlook. He finished the through week 17 with 74 receptions, 93 targets, 579 yards on the ground, eight I'm uh, sorry, 570 yards in the air, 816 on the ground. Uh, and he finished as the wide receiver or running back four, I should say, in PPR leagues through week 17, despite being on the Jets. So I am excited about Brees Hall's outlook in 2024, being healthy, another year removed from surgery, and a lot of positive signs towards uh, uh, progression, not positive regression. We're making that a thing now. We're, we're going to have to define that in the offseason um to, to get the verbiage down right uh so that's interesting like i i think the whole again like the hall versus gibbs debate is is going to be a fun one hall it's like the the recency bias of what he did in the fantasy playoffs the guy looks just fantastic um and dynasty that's a big argument too is like where these two guys slot in uh so ninth overall again i could go back to the running back well uh there's one or two guys i think i can consider here but i'm gonna go aj brown and I think this is another one where if we did this process a month ago, uh, A.J. Brown would have already been selected. But he kind of ended the year and the and the, and the Eagles ended the year kind of on like a little bit of a down note. Uh, the passing game took a big hit. But A.J. Brown now has averaged 18.1 points per game this year. Uh, he finishes inside the top five at the wide receiver position after finishing as wide receiver six overall as like 17 and a half points per game last year. So the two seasons he's had in Philadelphia have both been major hits. He hasn't crossed that 20-point-per-game plateau, so he's like behind the wide receivers we've mentioned, but I think he's in his own little mini-tier of the value that he brings and also the potential to put game-winning weeks up on the board. If you had to pick a wide receiver that had three touchdowns in a game, you're going to go A.J. Brown. So I'm going to go A.J. Brown here at the 109. I think it's fine value for where he's at. Back to you, Josh. All right. Uh, so I, I avoided a Jets player earlier. Let's just go with a Jets player now. I, I was also thinking Kyron Williams has potential to slot in here. There's still so much uncertainty. I think there's less uncertainty about Aaron Rodgers. I do think he plays because I passed up on Bruce Hall. Let's go with Garrett Wilson. I, I, will, I will start with a few basic stats, and then I'm going to lead up to, I think, maybe the craziest stat that I have prepared for this show. So Garrett Wilson was seventh among receivers this year with a 30% target share. We like that. His 103 air yards a game was 10th. He was uh, terrible in fantasy points per game. He had terrible quarterback play. I think he's awesome with Rodgers back. And I think this stat really shows just how good Garrett Wilson is. Here's the Jets yards per route run. So Randall Cobb was at 0 
yards per route run. Uh, I guess for context, everyone generally two is good. One and a half is solid. So Randall Cobb was at 0.3. Xavier Gibson at 0.7. Alan Lazard at 0.8 yards per route run. And then we have Garrett Wilson at 1.6. That is at least two times higher than any other receiver on the team. It is nearly impossible to find that type of discrepancy ever in the NFL. Uh, Garrett Wilson's just unbelievably good at the game. Uh, He was one of the highest target earners this year in terms of raw targets. He had the high target share. He was getting targets down the field. He's really fast. He's good after the catch. And I think he's going to have this last hurrah season for Aaron Rodgers before he potentially retires. So I think he should be one of these mid first round picks. And Josh, will he have positive touchdown regression uh, in, in the, in oh, the works of the season? I, I would certainly hope so. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Billy, take it away. So this is where it gets interesting, I think. Um, there's about four or five players here that I would be comfortable taking. Um, but I think I'm going to go to the Puka Nakua well here. Wow. Uh, this was a player that I, I did not own a lot of in 2023. Talking about a fifth-round draft pick who is about to set the rookie record for receiving yards. Um, he may set the rookie record for 100 yard games. If he gets hundred yards against the Niners this week, he would tie number one, which is nine. Um, so he is one game away from potentially breaking two big rookie records, uh, as a receiver. I guess the question is, will Matt Stafford return? What's the offense going to look like? Um, but it seems to be that Puka Nakua could potentially, I don't want to say his rookie year that he's quarterback proof, but it looked like that way through this year and, and it could potentially be safe even with the major changes. So um, it's obvious this kid is good. I missed him in my evaluation going into 2023 drafts. Um, and I think that he immediately steps into round one in drafts in 2024. I, I love that pick and Josh's mm-hmm. Garrett Wilson pick and your Puka Nakua pick. Both of these two guys are now top three all-time in rookie year targets. I think that's a really cool takeaway um, and some cool continuity between the two picks. Nakua, like, what a year. But to me, the thing that stands out the most is the targets because they continually kept scheming for him. He's over 150 targets. It's just it's just wild. Um, and I'll, I'll say this. from from I have two guys I, I could go with right here, and they both play running back. Uh, and my initial rankings, I had one higher than the other, but Billy's head is going to explode if I select Bijan Robinson ahead of Kyron Williams, <laughs> which I really want to do. I, I, I think my heart wants to go Bijan Robinson and say that the volume's going to go way up in year two. The Tyler Algier threat is not going to be as big of a deal in year two. Arthur Smith will figure it out in year two. But until Arthur Smith is fired, I have got to make the practical decision. And I'm going to go with another young running back, and that's Kyron Williams. And Kyron Williams is averaging 21.3 PPR points per game. I saw somebody on Twitter saying, you know, be careful with with Kyron. But the only thing that you can knock on Kyron right now is the draft capital. It's not the production on the field. He had basically a lost rookie season and is able to come and do this in year two. I trust Sean McVay uh, to to continue putting him into – you know, the in a position to succeed. Uh, so I'm going to go Kyron Williams at the at the 112. I'll take my 21.3 points per game and look for growth in year three. Back to you, Josh. All right, all right. I will take Bijan Robinson. I had Kyron Williams ahead of him as well. I am going to remove the week seven game where Bijan Robinson had a headache. I don't know what happened there. He had the one carry for three yards. He was not targeted. That annoyed us all. If we take that game out, he averaged 13 and a half carries and just over five targets, 5.2 targets a game. That is nearly 19 opportunities a game. That actually doesn't sound that bad. 89 total yards a game. That doesn't sound that bad. You only had half a touchdown a game. Then we had some CPAD, some Algier uh, blockage at the goal line. If we plucked out that headache game, we're at 15 fantasy points per game. That's not sexy. But I, I think the, the quarterback situation will be upgraded massively. I think if Arthur Smith survives this offseason, which I'm still not sure if he will, then things are going to change. Uh, I believe they're like, what, the fifth, sixth worst scoring offense this year. 
despite having three straight top eight picks invested in offensive skill players and having a decent enough offensive line. So we're just going to trust, we're going to trust that Bijan Robinson gets the usage that he deserves. He is a late first round pick for me right now. Before you go, Billy, let's quickly recap where we're at. Josh Larkey started out the one-on-one with Christian McCaffrey. Billy Muzio went with C.D. Lamb. I selected Tyreek Hill. Josh at the 104 went with Jamar Chase. Billy went with Justin Jefferson at the 105. I went with Amon Ross St. Brown, the sun god, at the 106. Josh went with Jameer Gibbs at the 107. Billy went with Brees Hall at the 108. A.J. Brown, I'd selected at the 109. Josh went with Garrett Wilson at the 110. Billy selected Puka Nakua at the 111. I selected Kyron Williams at the 112. And Josh just selected Bijan Robinson. So we're 13 picks through. Guys, let me ask you just as a bird's eye view. Is this like one of those years where it's kind of easy for you to get to 13 and then second round you start having a little bit of like a more of a wider range to select from? Or is it Josh, like in your process, is a little more clear when you did your rankings? Uh, There's a lot of names floating around right now. I have a couple tight ends, a couple running backs, a couple receivers that I'd be considering with my next couple picks. And uh, I wouldn't be angry at all if one of you took them over me right now. So I would agree. I love the second and third round when I'm when, like from value perspective, I don't love ranking the second and third round guys though. Cause again, it's so close for me, Billy, how about you? Is it, you reach like a certain point here? Yeah. The next like nine guys I'd be, I can interchange quite frankly. Um, you could make a real debate or argument for either one of them. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of off season moves that could really affect playing time for running backs like Jonathan Taylor, Rashad white, where's Barkley going to go to, um, there's, you know, how much involvement are we going to see from year two, uh, sophomores in the running game and the Jaguars committee and will Travis Etienne take a step back. So there's a lot of uncertainty at the running back position in this round too. And then in terms of the receiving position, um, I'm just a little bit more comfortable with these guys and I'm, I'm probably going to lean this way. Okay. So let's, uh, let's start out here, Billy, you are OTC. It is 14th number 14 overall which would be the 202 if we were doing a, uh, a regular 12-team league. Yeah, I'm going to um, pick a little bit of a homer pick here, Godibo Samuel. Uh, we know that when he's on the field, he's one of the most electric pieces in the NFL. Uh, he can pretty much hit a home run on any given play. As Larky mentioned earlier, it's you know the best offense in football. I want a piece of that, uh, whether it's best ball, whether it's redraft. It's a pretty easy start for me week in and week out. Uh, and Debo Samuel here for me just ahead of the running backs. So let me, I, I think it's a fine pick, but when I did my rankings, I actually have Brandon Ayuk ahead of Debo, but they're so close. Josh, yeah. I'm just curious if you had to pick one of these two next year, who would it be Debo or Ayuk? Uh, it's Brandon Ayuk very, very slightly. Just, uh, I usually lean receivers over running backs when possible. Brandon Ayuk gets more of his production in the receiving game. I think he's a more well-rounded complete receiver. Debo might have the the higher ceiling, kind of like what we saw two years ago, just when he puts it all together. I just don't think he'll ever have that season again. So I'm going to go with the guy that I think is a little less injury risk, and that's probably going to give you similar enough production with Ayuk. Yeah, I think they're both second-round picks. Uh, I think it's super interesting to see where Ayuk's going to go. I could take Ayuk here at 15 overall, but I'm going to go with my tight end one, and that's Sam Laporta. Uh, Sam Laporta is having the best rookie season ever by a tight end. Uh, and I expect his his production to go up in year two. The one issue with Sam Laporta is he scored so many touchdowns, but I hate the people that are going to say, oh my gosh, he's going to score less touchdowns just because. Like Sam Laporta is incredible, um, and we we usually see tight ends improve between year one and year two. It's one of the easiest positions to bet on in terms of guys gaining production value uh, between the first and second seasons. Sam Laporta, I will take our first tight end, off the board, and I think that might be the only tight end uh, that you hear name for the rest of the show. I'll be curious if another tight end uh, sneaks into this top 24, but I'm happy to get Sam Laporta at 15 overall. Theo never told us we were drafting in tight end premium today, Josh Larkey. I, hey, listen, hey, listen, it's <laughs> Sam Laporta, Sam Laporta to the moon. You snuck that one in Sam, there. Sam Laporta to the moon. No, this is regular PPR, and I think in tight end, tight end premium, Billy, if this was like FFPC scoring, I'm I'm going to start considering Laporta at like 109. 
because I think you can't ignore this sort of year one production. Um, despite the presence of Jameer Gibbs and the presence of Amon Ross St. Brown, it might just be, hey, let's get this kid Laporta more targets. He's that good. Theo's going to tell us next that it's it's super flex and he's going to go back to back quarterbacks. It's yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> okay, so we are, we are back to we are back to Josh Larkey here at sixteen overall, which would be the two hundred four. I I really don't feel good about this pick just because I think there's so many other guys that could be a consideration. We'll go with the fun one. We'll go with DJ Moore. DJ Moore has been eighth this year in fantasy points per game with nearly seventeen and a half. And for those out there that want to look at the actual uh, usage, his usage has not quite been that good. So you might be like, well, that seems like a strange pick then. The aggregate numbers sound pretty good, 130 targets. That's good. That's not special. That's good. But we like 92 catches for 1,300 yards and eight touchdowns. What we like even more, though, is that he's had 40% of his team's receiving yards this year. For context, CeeDee Lamb has 38% of Dallas's receiving yards. That's lower than more. More DJ Moore has also been sixth with 14 end zone targets. This is a team that runs a lot. This is a team that was missing Justin Fields for a significant part of this season. I don't know if Fields will be back. I don't know if it's a different quarterback, but I think that what we've seen here with this blockbuster DJ Moore trade is that they're finally giving him the usage he deserves. He's one of the NFL's best receivers. I want to bet on a guy that's kind of monopolized his passing offense while he's still in his mid-20s. He is still in his prime. He has even gotten a few carries here and there this season, which he used to do in his Carolina days early on, which I think is encouraging. And I I think there's a lot of ways where things tick up for him. I, I was not particularly in on him this year. That was a miss on my part. I didn't realize just how much of a leap he would take in his usage moving to the Chicago Bears. So I, I think no matter what happens, the situation will either be the same or better. And uh, he, I just think he's an easy, safe pick that still has ridiculous upside. I like it a lot. Billy. This next one is I'm kind of on the fence with. There's two directions I want to go. I think I'm going to go running back here with Jonathan Taylor. I love that. Um, the volume is clear when we see him in his active games and he's healthy, he's pretty much averaging 18 attempts on the ground or more. Um, he's involved in the passing game as well. Uh, this is a back that, um, we forget had all these contract issues in the off season, wasn't able to focus, um, and get into you know, game shape, get into the groove, get in, you know, sync with his teammates. So, um, bit of a rough start, you know, re-injured, got injured again. And then we had, we had a deal with the Zach Moss experience for a little bit. Um, but I think Jonathan Taylor coming back in 2024, the full year of offseason workouts, getting in a sync with his team, has a rushing quarterback who's going to be back and open up lanes. I think Jonathan Taylor has a rebound year in 2024. I, this is why I need to podcast with people who aren't as sharp as Billy and Josh, because I had all these notes written down for Jonathan Taylor, thinking I could be like, sound smart, taking him at like 24 <laughs> or something. But I, the reason that I love the reason that I love Jonathan Taylor as a value is he's got the contract insulation. They paid him a fortune. Yep. Anthony Richardson coming back next year, I think that that's going to be huge. I think the offense is going to score a ton of points, and I think the running game is going to be so effective. And here's four stats, guys: twenty point seven, twenty two point five, thirty three point five, seventeen point nine. Those are points scored by Zach Moss in Shane Steichen's offense. The running back was productive this year in Indianapolis. The running back will continue to be productive next year. It'll be Jonathan Taylor. We've already seen him have an RB1 overall season. Um, I'm so excited to see Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor for a full healthy season. Now I have to scramble, though, and and pick my guy because I thought it was going to be Taylor. I'm going to go with Brandon Ayuk, who I was happy to, to take a little bit earlier. I think that this is a truly elite player. If you put Brandon Ayuk into a team that passed a little bit more and he didn't have a Debo Samuel next to him or Christian McCaffrey, this is the kind of guy that I think could be wide receiver one overall. That's how talented I think he is. Um, but he's he's going to be, you know, fine value here. Um, Josh talked a little bit about him a few minutes ago, but you're talking about a guy who, if you take away the beginning of 2022 and look at him over like his last 20, 22 games played. It's staggering how many big, huge games he's had. The ability to blow the top off of, a, of an NFL secondary 
and give us a game, a week winning score. And he's got great chemistry with Brock Purdy, who's unlocked him even further. So Brandon Ayuk, I think it's a really good value for me at 18 overall. Back All right. You, Josh. This is where it gets really difficult. Again, it just, uh, oh. I'm deciding between a receiver and a running back. The running back is more fun. Receiver is more stable. We'll just talk about Chris Olave. I'll go with Chris Olave. Chris Olave had a very frustrating season. He had a 26% target share. We should like that. His nine targets per game were 13th among receivers. His 116 air yards a game were third. So you'd think 13th most targets, third most air yards. Well, that sounds tailor-made for receiving success. His 71 receiving yards a game were 18th. His four touchdowns were tied for 36th at the position. I, I don't know what happened with him and Derek Carr this year. If they maybe I, I know that the, the team turned on Carr at times. Ultimately, Carr missed some time early in the year. He had a shoulder injury. It was clear even when he returned from that that he wasn't still fully healthy. Olave was a fantasy wide receiver one this year. If you just remove the games where Derek Carr's shoulder was clearly hampering him and he was throwing like three to four air yards down the field per attempt. I'm just going to go back and bet on the guy in year three. I think he's a very, very safe pick with good upside. I like the targets. I like the air yards. He's fast. And I still think there's not going to be much target competition once again there. Kamara is only a year older. He might not even be there. It's going to be what? Olave, Rashid Shahid, Juwan Johnson. That that sounds like a, a pretty big Olave season's brewing. Love it. Billy, back to you. I'm going to go with steady Freddie Mike Evans here. And this was a player that I was not liking the outlook in 2023. And boy, was I wrong. Baker Mayfield apparently unlocked Mike Evans even more. He had his third most receiving yards in his career. He went another year over a thousand yards. He had 13 touchdowns. Um, and I think they re-sign him now after this, this year. So more than likely re-signs with Tampa Bay become, you know, drafted and retired in the same spot um, is one of the most consistent players um, in fantasy this year. It was kind of like death taxes and Mike Evan touchdowns. So I think that we have to kind of put respect in the name and still keep him inside the top two rounds. Yeah. And it's interesting, Billy, because of like the old guy wide receivers a year ago, we would have had him way below, you know, the Devonte Adams is the, the Keenan Allen's the Stephon Diggs tier certainly Tyree Kill. And now Mike Evans is right after Tyree Kill in terms of like the old guy wide receivers uh, in this process. I wouldn't have had him as high, um, but I, I think like you opened my eyes to that. And what's crazy about Mike Evans is I believe he has the top six uh, touchdown output seasons of all time for Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receivers. Like the history books is Mike Evans, Mike Evans, Mike Evans, Mike Evans, Mike Evans. Um, what a career for him. Uh, so here for me at 21 overall, I really don't want to do it. There's guys that I think are a lot more exciting to select. Um, but Travis Etienne, this is de facto year two for him. And he finishes as running back two overall in the season. A lot of it's kind of like a, like he's not a compiler by any means, but a lot of it's like a little bit counting stats. It seems, doesn't seem as impactful as most, a lot, some like RB two overall seasons. But at the end of the day, this was de facto year two for him. And we saw a lot more trust from Doug Peterson uh, in terms of like what they were able to do with ETN, his work in the passing game. And again, guys, it's 17 points per game. He showed durability this season. I'm going to go with Travis ETN here at 21 overall. Back to you, my guy Josh. Is, uh, my guy's still here. I was debating between Olave and Devon Achan. We'll go with Devon Achan. I'm going to remove the five snaps he played in week two and the three snaps he played in week 11. What you're left with is averaging 11 carries for 92 rushing yards a game. That's nine yards a carry. That's probably unsustainable, but it's still exciting. 4.2 targets a game is not half bad. Three catches for 23 yards. 1.3 touchdowns overall per game. And you might be like, what is that in fantasy points per game? Well, in the games that he actually played in, he averaged 22 fantasy points per game. Only Christian McCaffrey averaged more fantasy points per game if you look at those games. That was also primarily with Raheem Mostert who's 31. I think he'll be then 32 next year. I have no idea what's going to happen with him. He's probably not going to stay healthy again. The The 31-year-old career year was awesome. It's probably not replicable. Week 17 without Mostert, we saw 14 carries for 107 yards, five targets, four catches, 30 yards, and a touchdown. 
that is 23 and a half fantasy points. If the guy's going to get 14 carries, five targets, that's 19 opportunities. That That is enough that I, I think he can finish based on volume as one of the better running backs based on usage. We know he's one of the fastest players. We we know the Dolphins offense is going to be good once again. I, I think there are the workload concerns with him, but I, I think even if his workload doesn't really improve, he's shown that he can just be a high-end fantasy RB1 despite that. So we'll go with Devon Achan. I immediately regret my Travis Etienne pick. I wish I could trade with Josh for the more exciting <laughs> Devon Achan. Kind of like what you did with me with Bijan Robinson, Kyron Williams, to make me feel like this practical pick versus like the exciting one, Josh. Uh, great pick right there with 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 Devon Achan. Uh, like, you know, the guy, if he would have stayed healthy, we would have taken him 10 picks ago. Um, if he could stay healthy for next season, he could be Jamal Charles. Where are you at, Billy, at 23 overall? You know, I'm surprised nobody's taken him yet, but I'm going to go ahead and take the first rookie off the board with Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> Did I snipe you? Yes, you sniped me. You sniped <laughs> me twice. I was going to end the show with Marvin Harrison Jr. at 24 overall. Got him! Forward, Billy. Got him. Oh, man. <laughs> Love Try, it. Getting sneaky over here. Got uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. gets uh, more than likely probably gets drafted ahead of this inside FFPC drafts. People are going to shoot for upside. We'll probably see him at the one-two turn. He'll probably get steamed all the way up there uh, this off season, um, but pretty comfortably take him here at my sneaky pick here at twenty-three. I love it, and I think that people <laughs> like people people who are, don't think that this is where, the way that the the train is headed are, are missing the big picture because I think that he's the most hyped. And it's the wide receiver that has the most enthusiasm behind him. And for good reason, he checks off every single box. Um, check out my rookie uh, rookie draft rankings article dropped today at Player Profiler. But he's like the, the biggest no-brainer of no-brainers. And Billy, like he's a physical specimen too. I, I feel like he's going to absolutely crush it. And I think that he'll end up like right around like, I don't think the one-two turn. I think he's going to end up somewhere at like mid-second round, 18 overall, something like that. So 24 overall here for me, guys, to end it, I have a number of ways I could go here. It's so wide open. But one player that I I think that we could talk about, the offense changing to him, and a guy that I think could absolutely blow up in year three, was when we saw the offensive coordinator change in Buffalo, we saw the offense go from being a Stephon Diggs offense to being a James Cook offense. And James Cook ends up finishing the year as an RB1, and a lot of it was based on his scoring over the second half of the season. I think they're going to trust him even more in year three. I think his receiving work could go nuts. And I think uh, a full off season of kind of focusing on him and featuring him, like it just feels like a more dangerous pick for me than selecting like a Rashad White, who I think you could also make an argument for, or a number of these other wide receivers who would be available, available to me in the third round. So I'm going to close it out with James Cook. Let's quickly just go around the horn here. Josh, is there one player who would be like the one player that we didn't say that you're most excited about? I just think Rasheed Rice is worth mentioning. We we talked about the downfall of Kelsey. We, I think, would all agree there is no downfall of Patrick Mahomes. Rasheed Rice was a full-time player running full-time routes from week 12 onward. That's only six games. It's a small sample, but still... Over nine targets a game, seven catches, 86 receiving yards a game, 19 fantasy points per game. That would have ranked fifth behind uh, Amon Ra, who was fourth. So if we like Amon Ra, then maybe we should be at least slightly interested in Rasheed Rice. He demonstrated that he's going to get high targets fairly close to the line of scrimmage and that he's going to be schemed in ways where he gets a lot of yak, kind of like what the Niners receivers like a Debo Samuel gets. Uh, if, if Kelsey's done and Mahomes is not done, we should probably pivot. I think it would be crazy not to have a chief getting selected in the first two to three rounds of fantasy. And I think Rasheed Rice deserves consideration in that end of the second round. Billy, how about any name we didn't mention uh, that kind of stands out to you? Uh, two players. Uh, I think Pittman deserves uh, a yeah. talk here as well as, as Nico Collins. But I'm going to go with Nico Collins just because um, I'm really kind of high on Houston moving forward. CJ Stroud... Um, was just a monster this year. He had, what is it, eight games with 300 yards or more. He needs 160 uh, yards this week to eclipse 4,000 passing yards despite missing two weeks. Uh, so Nico Collins is going to be tied to CJ Stroud for quite some time. Um, looking forward to this this chemistry and the blossoming relationship between the two. 
Yeah, and for me, it's Rashad White. I really wanted to put him into these first two rounds. I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, you see some other early rankings, and people still want to treat Rashad White as somebody who's going to fall in drafts. But at the end of the day, Rashad White ends up averaging 16 points per game this year. He's shown that he can catch the football. He's shown that he can handle a high volume, and he's been so consistent in his scoring. Billy, you bring up Mike Evans with Baker Mayfield. The Baker Mayfield-Rashad White connection was also strong this year, and I think the chemistry built there will continue into next year. This was so much fun, guys. I wish we could keep going. Uh, Josh, you crush it as always. Let everybody know what you have coming up at the 33rd team uh, over the next few weeks. Guys, thanks for having me. I think we should definitely do another iteration of this point, uh, iteration of this sometime soon. I know Ryan Reynolds and I have discussed this, and I think it'd be really fun to have you guys on to, to do another version of 2024, maybe talking about some of the, the mid-round picks that we could see rising throughout the offseason. There's a lot of different ways to attack it, so... Always yeah, exciting to start looking, flags. start start looking to 2024. All my work is on the33team.com. That is the main place to check out uh, all of my team's content and my content as well. So the33team.com, our content right now is all free. Check it out. And let's hope for some fun week 18 matchups. Billy, what do you have cooking? Uh, I just want to remind everybody to go, speaking of sponsors, we talked about FFPC earlier, but the playoff challenge is out. We're going to be doing that one on the next show, um, but that is a fun little contest that you can do over at the FFPC. They have a $35 game as well as $200 game with a half million dollars up top, so lots of money still to be made here in fantasy football, um, and there's no salary cap. You just pick any player you want on any team. The, the, the kicker here is those that you can only pick one player from each team, so pick wisely, and um, Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, and Billy and I will be discussing the FFPC playoff uh, contest next week on First Class Fantasy, 3.30 on Thursday. And look for my article on it on playerprofiler.com. We're going to be covering it a lot. It's a lot of fun, like Billy said. One of my favorite uh, contests all year. And Billy, it's like, set it and forget it, man. Can't change it once you pick it. It's not like no more no more redraft type stuff. Um, check out all my written work over at Player Profiler. Check out uh, Dear Miss Fantasy. Tonight, Tara Roberts is going to be uh, going live at 9 p.m. She did she did uh, a number of great shows this year. Uh, she's going to be also talking about early 2024 rankings. So if you enjoyed this one, tune in at 9 o'clock tonight. And Sonic Truth Dynasty Podcast, I'm back with the podfather, Matt Kelly, and Alan Soslowski tomorrow, which is Friday at 10.30 a.m. Uh, and Happy New Year to everybody. Thanks for all the support First Class Fantasy has received. We're going to crush it in 2024. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.